Welcome to the Digiday Podcast. I'm Brian Marcy. Um, this week, I'm honored to be joined by um, fellow Philadelphia Eagles fan, Ryan Pauly. Ryan is also the Chief Revenue Officer of Vox Media. Ryan, welcome. Thank you for having me. First time, long time. Yeah. Should we um, Should we talk mostly about the Super Bowl? Let's talk the Super years? Bowl. Let's talk trade deadline. <laughs> we'll get into it. Yeah. But let's start with, um, it's been four or five months since the New York deal. Yeah, about four months. Okay. What's been the big change? Yeah, so we we announced the deal late last year. Deal closed, and before the before the end of 2019, sort of ran the full integration. So on the revenue side, we've um, completely done the integration from an organizational standpoint. One sales team, one marketing team, one content studio, which has gone really okay. smoothly. Uh, we went we went quite quickly uh, to get everything done through the end of the year, and then came out at CES, uh, yep. which is always sort of the big uh, New Year unveiling for uh, the way to start the year. Uh, but uh, and then took that message to. Yeah. to I mean, this marketers. is the biggest. It was the biggest deal that Vox did. Yes, yeah, by, by, by far. far. We, we've done we've done a number of deals over the past decade, but but this was so. This explain was to people who don't know, like what what that kind of like inter- integration process is like. Yeah, well, it will, I think we ran a relatively smooth one, but you have to understand what the what the start start from the client standpoint and that's sort of what are the account overlaps what are the what does the team structure look like and how does it and then culturally how does everyone how do the processes go how do the workflow goes mm-hmm. what are the marketing materials what are the words and the numbers we all describe um, the products we take to market and and thankfully with the New York media integration the the cultures were quite similar the the companies were complementary uh, and so there there was actually not a lot of client overlap less than 35% of of customers um, spent significant um, advertising budgets with with both companies. Which, oh, really? Um, so only thirty five percent. Yeah. So it was a really interesting. Um, it was a really interesting process to go through to see, and you can see where the. So what the, categories the were you adding more advertisers in? Uh, so we 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 historically Vox Media has been really strong in tech, uh, yeah. in auto, financial services, um, uh, and CPG food and food and bev retail and historical New York media has been a lot stronger in luxury fashion beauty Mm -hmm. and then where there was where there was overlap with was media and entertainment where we both had quite a strong um, quite a strong uh, revenue opportunity with both and so that that's primarily where there was big opportunity but actually in the conversation we've had with those brands the idea of working with one one company across the key endemics whether it's vulture uh, Polygon, The Verge, Vox, all with that entertainment coverage. So when you did meet with with clients, I mean, is the general message is, look, this is just going to be easier. We can most clients want to do you know fewer bigger deals. Um, it's more efficient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the the big message from the from the customers to us is one, it made sense from a brand perspective. Uh, the brand sort of aligned quite similarly. I think the presentation to the consumers are, are similar in sort of tone and voice. And so the brand portfolio makes a lot of sense. And then yet yeah, you're absolutely correct. All mm-hmm. clients are looking for fewer, bigger, better partnerships. And so that that as a core component. And then as you saw, we we announced Forte, which is our first party data platform mm-hmm. at the at the very beginning of the year. That's the first product launch that is a result of the merger because we can pull in data signals from uh, the creative platform that we've built over the last five years or so, and uh, as well as the subscription commerce mm-hmm. data signals to make it. But you're still platform. like in the integration of the platforms. Right. So, so we we also uh, after the new year we did we we integrated on the advertising sort of ad server side. All of the ad systems are uh, are fully integrated um, now, and so we mo- we moved quickly. And that's that's like part of the integrations that don't actually get talked about very yeah. frequently, but also are really critical parts to unlock the upside. And that's where a lot of deals. Explain actually fall why it's important, through. although not that like. 
fascinating for yeah all the, all the adops all the adops people are tuning in everyone yeah. else is hitting the skip 30 seconds um the uh it's important so that uh when you have one ad server the sort of to leverage the the audience scale uh single data po- point of data access across the platform uh you do the 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 integrated advertising packages all of those things that, okay so the publishing platform comes second yes, like you know yeah. figuring out that piece yeah. and that's yeah. l- kind of less important in some ways it's 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 less important from a from a short-term advertising standpoint like what the cut what our brand partners see yeah so how does this um how does this affect the sort of revenue portfolio i mean obviously they did more in um in subscriptions they started digital subscriptions Mm -hmm. more so than than you guys had Mm -hmm. but how does this impact the non-ad part of the business yeah well it definitely it definitely increases the diversification uh, from a revenue perspective particularly as you mentioned on the direct to consumer revenue from a subscription basis which they've been in the subscription business for fi- its 51 year existence going back yeah. to the print subscribers but launched the digital um, subscription uh, now about 15 months ago or so and so uh, and they saw really great performance in 2019 on that side and then but particularly with the strategist in commerce and affiliate and that's one that's a business that we've been um, investing in mildly from the from the legacy Vox Media standpoint, but um, but we're really excited to get the data, mm-hmm. the technology, and the sort of best practices from the strategist and leverage it across yeah. the portfolio. So what are the biggest growth areas right now for 2020 on the revenue side? Yeah, so the, the advertising continues to be a growth area. I think- Still we, a growth we, Yeah, we talk about revenue diversification, and a lot of times it gets talked about as like a defensive posture against managing- well, it's a declines hedge. In, in for a lot of publishers. It's a hedge. Yeah, and I think, but we we are still seeing. We saw growth in 2019 from an advertising standpoint. We we will see it again this year um, uh, in the advertising line of business. But advertising is still growing. Yep. Direct sold and programmatic. Both both still growing. Both. Direct yep. sold still. Mm-hmm. There's still a IO business. Yeah, there's still an IO business, largely moving more towards the content end of the famous barbell yeah. um, between content and programmatic, and that's where we. Was that was that Tim Armstrong's barbell. Yeah, that was Tim Armstrong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so uh, the so we still see growth in that side uh, of our business, um, but but hyper growth areas are affiliate commerce, as I mentioned, podcast. Here, here we are. Yeah. We'll pause for some ad reads, I'm sure, at some point here soon. The uh, uh, podcast continues to be a really fast-growing part of the business. More and more brands. We're seeing the brand advertising um, yeah. come in, and, and we expect that to surpass the DR How market. much of your, of your podcast business is DR slash network versus what you consider brand? I know there's a mix because, you know, people act on podcast ads. That's why everyone should advertise on the, the That's DR right. Podcast. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, the... The, so we last year it was a, it was about split between DR and brand, and that's the, like the socks ad that Peter Kafka the bum, reads. the bombus yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, those are the DR <laughs> those are the DR versions <laughs> that he loves so much the um, uh, but then we've done really amazing campaigns with uh, like Dropbox had a, a deep integration with the Ezra Klein show about sort of the future of work and so that's the type of brand campaign that um, that more and more brands are are looking for I was just actually at a, a big client uh, yesterday where we did uh, there's a lot of like education to do on the audio side from a brand perspective here's what the medium looks like here's what the measurement opportunities yeah. are um, things like that but explain the education part because I mean like podcast is one of those those few areas new areas that that's getting a lot of a lot of heat the mm-hmm. ringer um, you know sold for for reportedly a lot of money mm-hmm. um, Gimlet obviously went for for a bunch um, and it's growing fast like so what do you think are the remaining challenges when it comes to the client side 
Yeah, I think they're still, still um, the measurement thing. The measurement thing, uh, they're still used to sort of ease of transaction digitally. You can sort of like one point of entry and you can um, access all the inventory. The, mm-hmm. the sort of balance between the host reads versus the uh, sort of more automated version of the buying um, is something that that there's like you just need to have the balance around. And then the measure, the measurement is the big one. Cause if you're, especially now, um, trying to understand impact of all of your working media, if, uh, if the audio side gives less sort of feedback loop, then yeah. it's harder to understand what that impact is. So within the audio business for Vox, I mean, you have, you obviously have host reads, mm-hmm. um, you've got, you know, regular ads you run in, yep. oh, it's interstitials. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the more custom stuff. Yep. Yeah, that's right. And and we've done on the custom side, we've done everything from branded segments to uh, to actually like full branded podcasts um, with a handful uh, more coming later this year. Do you see the sort of weight swinging in one direction or the other? I mean, usually these things start and they're very customized and then they go, you know, how, mm-hmm. you know, how digital advertising yeah, goes. Yeah. commoditizes everything. <laughs> I don't know it about loves, that. <laughs> it loves to commoditize. Uh-huh. It just creates liquidity. <laughs> uh, the, I think, I think we're, we're finding the balance towards sort of, uh, more automation, more addressability, uh, which I think is important and it's important for the medium to, to grow. I think the reports are, it'll podcast will cross a billion dollars in ad revenue as an industry this year. And so, um, it's important for that to continue to grow. It has to be, the inventory has to be addressable in a yeah. more automated way. And I think, I think that's important, but I also think it's important to not, not go yeah. towards, uh, sort of, uh, too too low on the on the quality side. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> uh, no, I mean it seems like something where the platforms are going to end up being gatekeepers. Explain why this won't go the way of regular. I mean, because it has a lot of the dynamics. I mean, most people are listening to this podcast either on Apple or on Spotify. Mm-hmm. I would guess that they become the sort of gatekeepers just the same way they've become gatekeepers everywhere. Yeah, I think okay. the interesting thing is to see, which I think you saw with The Ringer, is the where the power in the industry continues to be in the creators. And the, yeah. the, the platforms can be the point of access for a consumer standpoint, but um, you still need really amazing content and amazing hosts like yourself and oh, and, you. and folks from the Vox Media Podcast Network across, whether it's Kara Swisher or Karen Scott with Pivot uh, mm-hmm. today explained. And so there's still a lot of influence from, uh, if you can create amazing, qu- high quality work, then you'll still be in a, right. in a position of influence. Thank God. Let's talk about the commerce side, because I mean, you guys were not super deep into this. And my understanding of New York's business is, you know, with the strategists, like they were kind of deep into this. Yeah. It's um, and, and how meaningful? We don't disclose <laughs> revenue figures, Brian. You know that. <laughs> that was I thought that was an opening. <laughs> but explain the look, I mean, it, it made a lot of sense with the strategies. I mean, it was born out of like, you know, New York magazine. And so it just mm-hmm. made total sense. Is is the plan to just build on that or do you see commerce opportunities in the existing portfolio that yeah, are it's, untapped? It's a little bit of both. So we uh the Verge has historically had a really uh sort of growing uh, affiliate recommendation, mm-hmm. uh, particularly out of the Verge reviews um, section of the site, Polygon as well, um, from a from a gaming uh, games perspective, and so we we expect to see growth in both areas. I think they serve different purposes. The the strategist is more. Um, uh, sort of you go there, uh, it's actually a little bit different model than I think a lot of, uh, current affiliate strategies where, uh, you don't necessarily, 
uh, go there uh, from a review or, or sort of like Googling something to buy a very specific thing. You sort of, I describe it as like walking around Soho and you walk into a really cool store. What, the strategist. The strategist. Yeah, yeah, you're going there to shop. Yeah, and you're in a shopping mode. You're not, you're not necessarily what you're going to walk out with, but odds are you're going to walk out with yeah. something. And so that's sort of what the strategist is. The, the rest of the portfolio will be more sort of very yeah. service oriented. Buy this phone, buy this tablet, buy this TV. I almost think a lot of the commerce business is just kind of like search ranking arbitrage. I mean, like you, you get a search ranking, you get search authority for something else, and then you, that probably doesn't monetize mm -hmm. as well directly. Mm -hmm. And so then you're basically just borrowing that. Well, authority. it's actually it's interesting. I is actually it more think complicated the, than that. The, I, I don't I don't know if it's more. It <laughs> might actually be simpler I, than that. I actually will actually the, I actually want to like announce Digiday deals. There you go. Uh, there you go. Here. Let's do it right here. The uh, no, I think I actually think the understanding where the and this is a big part of the the data platform that we announced is the understanding the the consumer journey and the the search referral as a platform is a, actually a really important one to understand the intent behind uh, uh, somebody coming to one of our sites. And so uh, I have a lot of, uh, we have a lot of tech and consumer electronic brands that mm -hmm. ask me, how do I get, uh, how do we, how do you help me drive sales? And I, the answer is always the first, first way to do it is have a great product that The Verge gives a really high review score to. The second thing is to be, to advertise around the reviews mm -hmm. because we know people are coming from search. They're ready to buy something. And we've, we've run a number of campaigns out for six consecutive quarters with a particular client that they're, they're targeting uh, verge search review pages uh, okay. to drive. Products. So you're able to like integrate this stuff now. Mm -hmm. I mean, cause I feel like, you know, before the, the commerce business, I'm using the air quotes, uh, was really an affiliate business and it was really just kind of like a separate yep. incremental thing yep. and it wasn't like integrated together. No, it's fully integrated. And we've, we've done a number of big client um, deals that combine media plus commerce. Okay, um, so this is not just Amazon affiliate no, fees. No, It's no. gone beyond that. Yep, yep. And okay. I, I actually think that's where the brand in particular matters and that's sort of like where the strategist, I think, separates itself is as a brand, you know you're getting great recommendations. You know it's going to be, it's well curated from a, a high quality editorial standpoint and not just chasing uh, yeah. search clicks. Uh, what's it like having like magazine? Uh, it's really fun. It's great <laughs> swag. Uh, okay. It's really great swag. I think the 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 magazine is a really important. But you got people selling pages brand. now. We got people selling pages. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The uh, the it's an important part of the brand and uh, and New York. Uh, is meaningful in print and um, and because it's a an, an important brand asset, uh, we're excited to 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 be a part of it. Yeah, does it tempt you to take uh, the digital brands into print? Uh, not right now, <laughs> not right now. But uh, but we are we do think about all the ways to expand the brands themselves. And and um, for New York, that means a print asset. For yeah. uh, for Eater, it means doing more um, experiential activations because that's an important part of of that brand. And so we'll we'll explore all those all platforms yeah. matter. Okay, I want to get to Forte, but like before yeah. that, what what are um, other growth areas? We talked about audio, display is still growing, um, and and commerce. Yeah, uh, video is is an important one, and we think about video pretty holistically from a uh, from a programming perspective, but also through our um, concert, our premium marketplace, where um, video uh, continues to be an important growth area, particularly programmatically um, with with brands, and then our content studio. Uh, Digiday Best Content Studio Award in, wow. in 2019, Congrats. Uh, which we're very excited about. The uh, and and that, as I mentioned, in our brand partnerships, that's where that's where uh, you get a little bit up funnel and outside of the sort mm -hmm. of RFP campaign by campaign um, yeah. execution. Well, how is the content studio business? I mean, because it, it sort of has has gone through a few 
iterations, right? I mean, I think if this, if we were doing this podcast like like four years ago, it would be like all about, oh, mm-hmm. we're going to be like an agency and, yeah. you know, the New York Times is up for these these Can Lion Awards and whatnot. Um, I kind of feel like like everything, like everyone, everyone developed these content studios um, and I think before everyone wanted to be Vice and now no one wants to be Vice, so that also um, took a little bit of the bloom off the rose. But the the content studio business is is agency businesses in general are challenging mm-hmm. sometimes with the margins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the the interesting thing is like if we start from uh, the market view, all every brand, every CMO conversation I have starts with them wanting to continue to build the a relationship with their consumers mm-hmm. outside of just the transactions. And how do you do that? It's with some form of brand, some some form of content programming that is whether delivered through brand O&O or, or leveraging um, brand authority from, yeah. from media companies. And so it's just from that standpoint, it's a critical part of the entire ecosystem. Yeah, but the, of the overall commercial offer, like if you're like talking with a client, it's not like, hey, you know, we can replace drug five. Right? No, 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 and we don't. We don't want to. We don't want to replace no. agencies from that standpoint. But what we do want to do is is create content assets and then create delivery vehicles. And that's where I think uh, our our content studio has a has a leg up on on yeah. the platform. Is we have concert as a unique distribution portfolio. We have the podcast network, and we're doing a lot more. We we do a ton of. We run over 300 branded content explainers out of our explainer studio huh. over the last year and a half, and we're distributing that now across uh, Today Explained, for instance, across the podcast format. And so the di- the distribution is just as important as the creative. Okay, let's talk about the third party cookie. Sure, we've been um, we've been torturing this this poor cookie character in our uh, story art. Um, we have one where the, the cookie was crucified, but I think it might be too offensive uh-huh. to use, uh-huh. um, and it was at there was flame. It was a flaming crucifix. But um, explain for those who who don't know, like what is happening to the third party cookie and why it matters to to publishers. Yeah. So I think the this industry uh, that we've all chosen uh, has been uh, has been built on largely on the back of uh, this idea of the of the third party cookie of cookies in general, and yeah. particularly of third party cookies to the extent that it's a third party data is a nearly twenty billion dollar a year industry. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, um, first started with reg- privacy regulation, GDPR a couple of years ago, CCPA, which went into effect. The more meaningful change has come from the browsers, yeah. um, whether it's been Safari, Firefox, and most recently Chrome, uh, that will, uh, that sort of signal to the full deprecation of third-party cookies over the next couple of years. And, and so what it means is that we need to, it's going to create this vacuum of of sort of identity signals that allow for the liquidity of digital advertising to exist particularly in a programmatic standpoint and so if you're a if from where we sit today if you're a brand and you either don't have a first party data strategy yourselves um, either don't have a, a large first party data set now or don't have a strategy to acquire that first party data um, you need to you need to uh, partner with mm-hmm. companies that do have that direct to consumer um, and that's where scale matters right that is I mean, where scale matters because I think there was like an interesting time when when there was a lot of like talk of, of oh scale doesn't matter anymore and 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 whatnot but it kind of does it most certainly does and I think that's it's a really important point to make because I think scale some for some reason has this um, odd uh, like negative connotation to it even still a little bit uh, which is um, which I don't think is appropriate. Well, I think it got, it got like synonymous with just like fly by night traffic and yeah. And that's where the, I think if there's one thing that Vox media believes it's that scale and quality 
can coexist. Yeah. And and the idea of doing that across platforms. And I think, especially in the advertising industry, the biggest advertising platforms in the world don't believe that they're making a scale and quality trade-off, whether mm-hmm. it's Hulu, whether it's uh, uh, Spotify, whether it's Pinterest. There's The platforms don't believe there's a trade-off between quality right. and scale. And so media, uh, certainly us, we also don't believe that. Right. So you have, so Forte, you have a lot of first-party data, basically, which is basically means that you know a lot about people because a lot of people come to your websites. That's right. And we know we know the we know a lot about the people because they come to the websites. We also know a lot about the advertising that runs on that platform because of concert and we we build all the ad technology ourselves. So the ability to marry the audience behavior, the audience, the behavior and the creative okay. and the content. So this is a good thing for Vox, but it's a bad thing for a lot of other publishers. I think it's a it's a bad thing for um I actually don't I don't think it's a bad thing for a lot of people, as long as you have the scale and the, and the, and so the idea that Vox can play a unique role in solving quite the a equation, qualifier as long as you have the scale. So, well, so I think that's where, that's where the scale, as you said, okay. does come into play. And that's where being in multiple categories, um, and having that sort of deep audience connection is, is, is sort of a differentiator. Okay. But who's it bad for? Smaller publishers. I don't know if it's the middle? bad for smaller publishers. The middle always gets screwed by all these things. I just assume the middle it's bad for them. <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's not it's not always a good place to be in the middle, I would say. Yeah. Okay. But how does this change? I mean, obviously it's it's a good thing to go out to 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 advertisers with, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it's an important thing that advertisers are trying to grapple with now of what is this what is this uh, what is this data sort of shift in data uh, usage going to mean for their businesses in, yeah. over the next year and a half? And I think we've talked a lot about. But does it make overall digital advertising less valuable? I don't think it makes it less valuable. I actually think it makes it makes what it makes more valuable is the if you have the connection and and the focus on creative as an optimization vehicle. I think over the past couple of years, the idea that the primary optimization vehicle yeah. has been third party audience segments, and there is no. I have not seen any proof that that is leading to higher ROI. We've, we've, we've used it as a crutch, right. but it's not actually driving any higher ROI. And I think the idea of marrying first party connection with the actual creative outcome is, um, is where, where this comes together. Mm-hmm. So do you have any ideas about what will replace the third party cookie? I have no, I'm not smart <laughs> enough to know what will replace it, but I do know that the, that sort of the, uh, brands and, and media companies working together, will be will be the solution. And that's where I think the even some of these the some of these working groups and ad tech has a very unique way of boxing out the primary constituencies that they're like supposedly serving in brands and in in marketers. And so I do think like we've had a bunch of conversations and uh, with with other publishers of how to create um, and what ideas are around what the solutions we believe Mm-hmm. should be, which I'm not prepared to disclose here on this, uh, okay. uh, this podcast, but, um, but it's important part. And I think actually we are in a unique position to do so given the partnerships that we have both with concert on the monetization side with chorus on the publishing and technology side, um, and the scale, as you mentioned. And so I think, I think we're, we're in an interesting spot to actually convene some of these conversations amongst, amongst publishers and brands. Yeah. I think what was interesting with this whole process is how all these changes like took place just by the browsers. The browsers caused all the change. Mm-hmm. Like there was a lot of like talk and talk and talk. And I know everyone, a lot of people on the publishing side complain about the power of technology companies, but like they can really affect change very, very mm-hmm. quickly in yeah. ways that all the IAB working groups simply can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where I think, I do think we, we as 
publishers and we as the sort of collective industry that's um, that's not necessarily the browser need to be prepared and have an offer proactively yeah. some of the solutions and participate in that solution yeah. building. I mean, I always go back to pop-ups, like, right? Like that problem of pop-ups never would have been solved if the same browsers didn't just say, yeah, this is over. Yeah, and that's my, I think this, there's a lot of this like um, uh, media companies believe that things are happening to them. And yeah. so like, unless unless we take a proactive stance and that's like what we've built this company around is like the technology layer, as I mentioned, some of these monetization solutions, these data solutions, we've taken, we built this company based on the fact that we can build solutions for ourselves, but also for partners. And that's where I think like nothing is happening to us. We can impact and we can affect what, what we want this next 10, 20 year period of, of, uh, whatever we're going to call digital, which is just going to be everything. <laughs> yeah, um, everything. And Media. so, so yeah, so that's where I think like we we're in a position to, to, to do that. Okay. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. I was going to try to draw this out to be like 41 minutes and 33 seconds. Uh-huh, let's do it. Let's keep going. <laughs> let's hit it right on the nose. We could, but we're actually just going to add in like 15 minutes of ads. Great. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> all right. Thanks so much. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Brian. Thank you all for listening. If you like this episode, I hope you do. Please do leave us a, um, a review. Um, we always like to get those. If, if it's a nice review, we'll even read it here. And also uh, rate us because that helps people find this podcast, apparently. We will be back next week with a new episode.